Hey friends, welcome back to the Living Truth Podcast. Uh, this is Michael Carey, your host for this episode, and I want to welcome back Dr. Eddie Caparucci. Uh, I interviewed Eddie just uh, a couple of months ago, and we had talked offline about another excellent book that I wanted to interview him on, and so we're getting into that. So welcome to the show, Eddie. Well, Michael, thank you for having me again. It's always a pleasure. And, you know, like you said, we can just go on talking and talking and talking. We talked about 20 minutes before we even started recording here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yes, I, I love that. So um, I said, I better hit record here or else we'll have to reschedule uh, this podcast interview. And I don't want to do that because uh, we want people to get this, um, this message. So, uh, so yeah, the the last episode, a couple of months ago, uh, if you certainly you don't have to go back and listen to that before you hear this one, but if you want to go to the podcast app, whatever it is that you guys use out there, and just go to go to the uh, Living Truth Podcast show and type in Eddie, and you'd be able to uh, pull up that. I'm sure um, that way and be able to see that and listen to that one. Uh, so that episode was about his most excellent book called Going Deeper. And a lot of people are familiar with that and have read that book. And it's phenomenal, phenomenal. Um, going Deeper. And there is a workbook. I don't know if we mentioned that last time, but there's an excellent workbook out there. But it's how the inner child impacts your sexual addiction. So that um, certainly uh, your most um, read book. And this book that we're going to talk about today is called Why Men Struggle to Love, Overcoming the Relational Blind Spots. And yeah, when Eddie was telling me about this book last time, um, I was like, oh man, I need to read that book. That sounds really, really good. Because I think that's a huge question guys ask themselves a lot, you know? And their certainly spouse asks too, you know, why, what is the blockage there? What, what's going on that's, that, that stops us because sometimes we want to, but we just don't feel for whatever reason, we feel trapped, right? Whatever that is. So um, what, what, Eddie, what piqued your interest in this topic and writing this book? Well, just, just to let you feel good, I sometimes have to go back and reread it myself at times because I still <laughs> struggle with a lot of these, uh, what I call blind spots. Um, the, the, this came along through, as I, as I did my work with men, um, using the inner child model, going from the Going Deeper book on how to be sober. Well, even after they were, you know, managing their addiction well there were still struggles there were struggles in the relationship there were with the wives not willing to reconnect once again and the research i did with many of the women what i came up with was the idea that you know what okay he says that he's no longer doing x y and z However, I'm seeing all these other behaviors that are still, they were troubling before I found out, and they're troubling now. He's still defensive. He's still very hypersensitive. 
at times to what he perceives as criticism. He doesn't show a real interest in myself or the kids and what we do. And he goes on and on and on and on. And with that came to understand that being sober is not enough. Also going back and understanding that, you know, and I knew this through the going deeper work was that nine out of 10 men that I work with have a low emotional IQ. And that is what really leads to a lot of this. But in fact, actually took it deeper once again and came to the conclusion and understanding that nine out of 10 men struggle with addiction, you know, also they're emotionally undeveloped. And that's where this began. It became, okay, let's try to figure out and uncover why are you emotionally undeveloped, which we discussed in depth in the book. And then two, what are those areas? And there are 14 that I identified, which I call the blind spot. And then finally, what do we do to address each of the 14? And what I came up there, what I call antidotes. And each blind spot has anywhere between three and seven different antidotes. And the reason I put so many different ideas in there, because, you know, Michael, what you may use to help you overcome something may be very different than what I use from a tactical standpoint, because I may feel more comfortable with something than you do. So I want mm. to give guys an option of what they should be, of the different tactics they can utilize in order to soften the blind spot. And I say the word soften because I don't believe they ever really go away. I think they're part of our DNA, the way we're made up, you know, and so therefore we have to once again, just like with our addiction, we have to learn to manage these blind spots. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, so true. Uh, to work on them uh so kind of like chipping away is uh the picture that i see and what i've how, how i've related to what you're talking about chipping away at it little by little so we get better and better growth um people in the church call it sanctification you know that's it becoming more christ-like and um, you hit the nail on the head because everything i do whether it was the going deeper or it was this was aimed at transformation, transformation of the heart and whether a man had never been on the pathway of sanctification or needed to get back onto the pathway. You know, that's what all of my work surrounds. It is about our growth in becoming more Christ-like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, as, as you were talking too, I just, uh, looking back at the um going deeper book and it says you know the tagline is um uh how the inner child impacts your sexual addiction right and when i uh e even back to that book and then now looking at this book and your work eddie honestly um the this work is for everyone this isn't just for people that struggle with sexual addiction right it says that in the going deeper book but honestly this is work that every man i think and now this book i mean i think uh the emotional maturity of every 
male on the planet <laughs> could uses could need need some work whether they struggle with a sexual addiction or not yeah right. what do you, you, you want to speak to that you're absolutely oh absolutely correct if we go back to the going deeper book um you know when it first came out you know the thing that i heard most often well there were two things i heard most often one why is it just written for men? How come women aren't here? Because women suffer with this too. Well, guess what? There is a book coming in the fall, going deeper for women. But also the other thing I heard was, you know what? This concept that you created here goes far beyond, forget about just sexual addiction and addiction overall, but you could apply it to depression, anxiety. You lose so many. And I go, you're, you're absolutely yeah. Correct. The reason it is about sex addiction was that's what I had the data for. And now, and even mm. though I've done some work with people in addictions, other addictions in a residential program for years when I was going through my in internship, I partnered with the director of the London uh, Center for Addiction Treatment. They've been using the inner child model for the last three and a half years with people with all types of addiction. So we have another book coming out in the fall that is understanding the inner child and how it impacts your addiction. So now mm -hmm. we're covering the whole basis. Then you go back to what you just said here with the book, um, Why Men Struggle to Love. Yes, there's no doubt that you don't need an addiction to benefit from the understanding of what this book brings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. So you're busy. And then I, one book you didn't mention on this podcast you did on the last episode was that um, going deeper, you're, uh, you have a revision for that coming out in the fall. So what is it? Is there three yeah. or four books coming out in the fall? Don't if you include that three. revision. Yes, there'll be three books that'll be coming out. The Going Deeper book, we're doing um, the second printing of that. We've added two children to the mix. So instead of nine, we have 11. We've added the Amesh child as well as the spiritually wounded child. So that then, and there were more things I needed to add to that book based mm -hmm. on, again, you know, the learnings in the last five years since it first came out. Um, and then I said, we said the other two, one, the going deeper for women, that's about love and porn addiction. We don't use sex addiction when it comes to women because they deal a lot more with the love addiction that they struggle with. And then as I mentioned, working with the London Center for Addiction Treatment, we have the book that's actually, that's going to be, that's my first book that's not self-published. We're going to, Rutledge Publishing is, uh, had taken that book and ran with it. And so they're the ones who are going to be uh, putting that out in the fall. It's very interesting because um, they're British. So it's being written in, you know, the old English Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but it's a little bit different. It's not you're not gonna see the typical uh, English, uh, okay. writing for words that we that normally so have. So they're uh, they're removing some of the American English from it, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> correct. That's exactly uh, gotcha. and she goes, that really gives it a little bit of character. 
<laughs> well, I think our friends that are listening here in the UK would probably appreciate that. And uh, sure. they might enjoy that uh, as well. And uh, yeah, the language, sure. I, uh, yeah, I remember there was a, I, I saw that there was a Bible, um, a UK version of uh, one of, one of the, I don't know if it was NIV or something like that. So yeah, yeah. interesting to, uh, to, to normalize it in your own language, you know? Yeah. So that's, uh, that's great. Incredible. So the, um, the emotionally undeveloped man is what you said on uh, why men struggle to love that. What, what do you mean by emotionally undeveloped men? And if you want to speak a little bit to how, how does this happen? How does a man become emotionally undeveloped? The emotionally undeveloped man uh, struggles to cultivate relationships. Um, you get into a relationship, but once in the relationship to help it grow and to nurture going to struggle with that a great deal and the reason being they don't have the emotional skill set that if required well how did this all happen we go back to the early stages of childhood development and there michael we're supposed to be taught how to attune to others have empathy how to sit with emotional discomfort that is a big one and if we're not taught to do that, well, then we're going to have to find distractions to not deal with it. And that's when you wind up seeing a lot of addictive behaviors that result. It's also, we don't, we're taught how to identify our emotions. So therefore, whatever we were feeling, there was nobody there to help us put words to it. So therefore, what we struggled with was instead we stayed with anger we stayed with sadness but we couldn't drill down to figure out what do i really feel emotional regu regulation is another aspect of that that is put there and that's why you see so many men who are more defensive or hypersensitive to rejection or criticism because so without having the skill sets or having limited availability to the because parents didn't invest in giving it to us well how do we now go off and develop healthy relationships ourselves it's almost impossible because there are many aspects of what we need to do to build those relationships that are absent from us and that's where, as I said, I came up with 14 different areas, and I call those the blind spots. And what we're doing essentially is now helping men learn how to reparent themselves so that they can start to develop some of these skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's phenomenal, right? So <clears throat> not having the relational skills means they're going to use or um, what well, I mean anything I guess could be sports you mentioned addictive behavior could be uh, work whatever it is uh, anything to avoid feeling whatever it is that they're feeling anger and sadness and and the drilling down is so important but that's how often is that really modeled for anyone? Well, that's, and that is part of the whole picture that you look at 
Um, as I said, I spent several chapters outlining the why, what happened here. And it wasn't just the fact that mom and dad don't equip us with the emotional tools that we need. In very few cases, do we actually see parents mimicking those skills? You know, we see a distance between them or we see a lot of conflict within them. The only place you may really see it is maybe if you're watching television and maybe there's a sitcom of some kind that <laughs> that sense. Or perhaps maybe there is a friend whose parents, you know, maybe yeah. show that. But again, the, the especially what's happening now with our younger generation, I mean, with all of the isolation that's happening, just hidden in their rooms with their video games, their computers and such, they're definitely not getting an opportunity to see what does it take to create and and, and to nourish that relationship. I am extremely fearful, just as I am about addiction in, in general. I think addic addictions are going to just skyrocket. I mean, they're already high. I think it's going to become even more of a tsunami because yeah. of all of the isolation that's happening with kids. I think it's going to be a lot more in the gaming area, technology, technology area and such. It could be more behavioral than perhaps it will be substance, you know, uh, wise. However, what we're also going to see is what we're talking about here today, where people don't know how to, you know, emotionally connect and engage how many mm -hmm. times how many times have you walked into a restaurant and here you see a family sitting at a table and they all have phones or ipads or little you know console devices of video game yeah all of them mm -hmm. it's like you know you can only imagine when they get home they all go in different directions and they're not engaging they're not teaching. Where do you learn to love? This came from Mylon Yerkovich uh, in his uh, book, How We Love. Mm -hmm. He said, where do we learn to love? We learn to love in our family of origin. Right. If it's not being taught there, you're not going to learn it on the streets. And you're certainly not going to learn it from porn, because porn's going to teach you that, oh, love is physical intimacy. Mm -hmm. Love is objectifying. That's what what our kids are learning today. Yeah, so true. So if I'm um, struggling with uh, being emotionally undeveloped, then and then I get married and I have kids, and my wife, I, I'm saying like. <laughs> I would love to say that this is hypothetical, but you know, this is <laughs> certainly we have we have uh, experienced this in our own lives. But the idea of of uh, not being able to model it to our kids because we don't know how to do it ourselves, and that's just generational after you know generation after generation how this gets um, passed on. And then, um, but yeah, you you said the uh, the parent the the kids and stuff like that in a restaurant. I've had uh, dinner with my wife, and I looked look over and I see sometimes um, couples, just the, a man and a woman sitting there. 
and they're both on their devices, you know? So I think it's, you know, yeah, a lot of parents use it to help regulate their kids or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, when they're trying to have some kind of a social engagement, but, uh, even, even that with, a, a you know, husband and a wife going out to dinner, they're, they're both looking at their phones or whatever it is too. And, and, um, I know that when I go out on a date with my wife and her and I both have done that in the past, as far as the, when one of us excuses ourselves to even use the restroom we're picking up our phone and flipping through the to-do list or whatever it is <laughs> you know mm -hmm. um it, the, it, it, it'd be a tough habit and i and you know my wife and i are guilty of it too me more so than her uh and because i always use the excuse that we start talking about something and she'll you know ask a question about it i go oh let me go check you know, and it's like, so I've actually gotten into the habit now of I hand her my phone and say, here, put it in your purse. Um, sometimes she takes my phone and puts it in her purse, but that's okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter how it happens. Um, yeah. But, but we, we can all get caught up with it. None of us are immune from any of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, exactly. you think about it, Michael. Go back to starting in the 60s, the 60s, 70s, 80s. Parents used to put their kids in front of the TV to serve as the babysitter. Yeah. And then they put their kids in front of video games to serve. Mm -hmm. You know, now they're putting them in front of an iPhone. To do, I mean, and again, it needs to be, no, no, you need to take back that responsibility. Because as you said, it's generational. No doubt about yeah. it. My yeah. wife and I, we are both, um, we have avoidant attachments. And again, attachments styles are also very key to this whole discussion that we're having. Therefore, for us, it could be very easy for us to kind of get just like lost, you know, mm -hmm. apart from each other. But we made the effort, the conscious effort to say, you know what, we're breaking the cycle. Yeah. We're not going to do this with our kids. We're going to be engaging with them fully. We're going to make them feel like we are, you know, that is an ongoing thing with a family. And unfortunately, I, I would say we were like 80% successful in doing that. Because again, we have two very well-adjusted children who can talk about feeling, talk about emotions. Um, again, not that they're perfect with all of it, but they can do it. We broke the cycle. Now it's up to them to continue that moving forward in other generations. Yeah, right on. That's it. That is the um, the goal, I think, for so many of us. So you and I like to to do that. So back to the uh, blind spots, if I could um, bring us back. Is that, yeah, we're getting into a conversation that we could spend a couple of hours probably talking about in the technology addiction hey. field. But um, yeah. The the blind spots that you talked about in the book, what what um, if you could just name a few of them, um, sure. and we can start. Yeah, we can open up some of the conversation on that. What are what are some of the fourteen blind spots? What well, is or what is a blind spot? You know, if you want to define yeah. what a blind spot is, what yeah. you mean by that? Well, a blind spot is a behavior or lack of a behavior that impedes your ability to cultivate a healthy relationship. Okay, so it doesn't have to always be with uh, a spouse or children. It could be between, you know, 
It could be with your own parents. It could be with friends. Could be with so uh, coworkers. Whatever it, it goes across the board. So let me give you the top three. And what I mean by the top three is that these are the most challenging ones. And if you possess these, which most all men do, uh, we're going to have a problem. One, avoids emotional pain. I talked to you a moment about that before. We talked a lot about it when we were discussing going deeper. People who struggle with addictions avoid emotional pain. They never were taught how to deal with it. They were children who were alone sitting with this emotional discomfort and they had to come up with a solution of how to deal with it or they would have wound up with you know a lot of depression or anxiety so they're what the their coping strategy i'm not going to think about it and now they had to find activities to be able to distract themselves you engage in those activities too much because now there is increasing the level of dopamine to the brain, you wind up increasing the risk that an addiction can develop. The second one, which again, I think is extremely, you know, important is the idea of being inwardly focused. This again, how did it develop? It's because a child believes there is no one there for them emotionally. Okay. Person could be putting a roof over their head, serving meals, putting clothes on them, all of that. Maybe even going out in the yard to throw the ball, do things like that. They can be involved with a lot of doing. But emotionally, there's no one there for me. How do I deal with these feelings? I don't know how to express them. And maybe I express them with a lot of rage and anger of a child, or maybe I'm just going to withdraw. I'm going to try to hide them. I'm just going to cut them off altogether. Well, now as you become an adult, it becomes more along again, the coping mechanism is I am going inward because to put myself outward is not safe Mm. because nobody's going to really care and I'm going to get rejected. So we need to be able to start to teach these individuals. How do you become more outwardly focused in your approach to light and for them to see what is the benefit to all of that and then the third one that is you know a a major one and that's fear fear i believe if you look at almost any type of emotional disorder any sort of mental disorder you're going to find fear is at the center of it. And again, go back to our years or those early years of childhood development. If there's not someone there who instructs us how to deal with our fears in a healthy way, and you may wonder and say, well, how do you deal with your fear in a healthy way? Well, you know what? I hold on to it understand that it's natural to have these fears and then i go forward and try to address it in whichever way i need to in a healthy manner Hmm. no one again there's no adult in the room and that's why you have an inner child and that's why these two things are very inner interrelated okay the two of them 
the going deeper as well as why men struggle love. There's no adult in the room. So that kid's got to come up with his own solution. And he comes up with all of these different coping strategies. I'm going to withdraw. I'm going to become defensive. Okay, I'm going to hide and lie. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to feel this sense of, you know, I'm not going to be curious about other people. You know, I'm going to, I'm just going to, again, pull back. Mm. All of, I'm going to have limited interest and passion because I'm afraid of fear of failing or I'm afraid people will reject me. So therefore I don't have a lot of friends. Mm -hmm. All of them tie together. Mm -hmm. And with it also, there are things that happen that should happen with us. Like, for example, we should be, learn how to be mindful when we're younger. We're not mindful. We should learn how to have a good emotional IQ. We don't have a strong emotional IQ. We should learn how to control our compulsive nature. We don't know how to do that. Mix those into, and those are some of the other blind spots, mix them into the equation. And what do you have? You have the making of one, a person who's more likely to run to addictive behavior, and two, someone who's going to be very, very dissatisfied in their relationships. Mm -hmm. Absolutely true. Yeah, said I'm glad of the three you talked about the the fear blind spot. And um, that one, I think, is so huge. And so many of those others that you talked about, I think, you know, that you mentioned are probably stem from that, the fear, the fear piece. And um, in the midst of some of those, you mentioned uh, fear of failure and fear of um, people not, not accepting me, loving me. And uh, I, you know, the, in, in the work that I've done, I think those are two of the biggest fears that I've seen with men. Uh, and so much, so much of this really stems from that, but fear of failure and then fear of um, other people knowing that I've failed. Hey friends, I hope you enjoyed part one of this two-part interview with Dr. Eddie Caparucci. Stay tuned to our bi-weekly podcast for the conclusion of this interview in two weeks. Also, I'd love to ask you to consider helping us spread the news of this podcast. People find this podcast because of more and more ratings. So you can anonymously click on the stars and leave a rating and type in a review of the podcast also anonymously. And that's actually going to help us spread this podcast out into the world. So if you've benefited from the Living Truth Podcast, please consider doing that for us. Thank you.